Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jimmy Gunn, and I am the kids pastor here at First Baptist Church. I have the privilege and honor of serving as the kids pastor over birth through fifth grade. And this is not one of my normal roles on a Sunday morning, but it's incredible. And I'm so thankful to be able to talk with you today and walk through a pretty amazing and incredible story from the Bible. A pretty amazing account that God has given us that shows us a lot of incredible things about his love for us. Uh, So if you are a guest with us today, we are glad that you're worshiping with us. Uh, There in front of you in the seat back is a card that looks like this. It's a connect card. Uh, Or if you have your phone with you, you can just go straight to it, uh, a website from your phone. That's fbcsa.org slash connect. Uh, And through that, we promise that we will connect with you. We want to get to know you. We want to pray with you. Uh, We want to pray for you and see if there's any way that we can help you. Uh, But more importantly, we just want to get to know you. Uh, And we want to thank you for coming to worship with us today. Uh, Another way that we worship, uh, not just by singing and praying, uh, is by by giving. Uh, We give to the church here, uh, but it's more than that. We give through the church uh, so that we can share the gospel both inside our walls and outside our walls. Uh, We want to share the gospel here at our church, uh, but also here in our city, uh, across our nation, across our country. Uh, And and the way that we do that is through giving. Uh, And so if you can give with us today, want to worship with us that way, uh, you can go to fbcsa.org slash give, uh, or you can drop an offering in one of the offering baskets uh, on your way out today. Um, So speaking of sharing the gospel across the nation uh, and across the world. Uh, Pastor Danny has been in Poland for the last uh, 10 days or so. Uh, And so he got in last night. And so he asked me a few weeks ago, probably about a month ago, if I would speak today and preach uh, and talk with you guys. And I enthusiastically said yes when I thought that the scripture was David and Goliath. Uh, It was, I I thought, David and Goliath, I can do that. I've taught that so many times to kids. And then I looked later and found out that it was David and Absalom and thought, oh, I've only taught that like four times in my 15 years of kids ministry. Uh, and so I had an awesome time reading through this scripture uh, and learning and seeing what God wanted me to bring today and what, what God wanted me to say. Uh, and so there, there are a lot of different ways that we can go with it. Um, and, and I'm really excited with the way that God has taken us. So as the kids pastor, I know that there is a, a certain expectation that I use flannel graph. I've, I've already heard it a whole bunch of times that are you going to use flannel graph? Are you going to use it? So I'm going to leave that there and make you guys just see if I do use it or if I don't. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see about that here at the end. Uh, so two weeks ago, Pastor Danny spoke with us about David and about how David was anointed. Uh, God chose David to be the king of Israel, uh, to be the man that would lead Israel to follow him better and to do the things that they were supposed to do. And so we talked about that. We talked about how David was a boy, he was a young man, and about how he was set apart uh, because of his heart for God, because of the way that he loved God and God knew that he would follow him and do the things that he was supposed to do. Uh, And then last week, Blake spoke with us about David and Goliath. And and here again, we find David at at a pinnacle point of his life where he is the 
the champion of Israel. He is the hero of everybody because he has defeated Goliath, that God has used him to defeat Goliath and defeat the Philistine army. And so David is a pretty awesome dude. Uh, As Danny said, he's probably the second most influential Bible character that we have in the Bible. And so to go from those moments to get to here where we are today, where we are, are reading about Absalom, uh, it, it seems extremely outrageous. It, it seems crazy. Uh, so let's stand together if you can, uh, and we will read our reverse passage today from 2 Samuel 18, and we're gonna do verses five and then nine through 12. And the king gave this command to Joab, Abishai and Ittai, for my sake, deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim. During the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw Absalom dangling from a great tree. What? Joab demanded. You saw him there and didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with 10 pieces of silver and a hero's belt. I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver, the man replied to Job. King, say to you and Abishai and Ittai, for my sake, please spare young Absalom. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word today. I pray that you would help us to hear what we need to hear. I pray that you would uh, move in our hearts today, that we would respond to you and that we would take what we hear with us Uh, this week into our jobs and into our homes uh, and into our schools and everything that we're doing. And I pray that you would um, just help us to remember these words and to remember your words. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the last two weeks we've been studying how David is, is up here. He's the king, he's awesome, he's the chosen one. And then now we're reading about how David is fighting against his own son. He's fighting against Israelites. He's in the middle of a civil war battle. So how do we get here? What in the huge wide world happened to get to this point? Uh, And to find that, we have to go back a few chapters, back to 2 Samuel 12. Um, And there we find that David has uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba. He has committed a sin and, and then he committed a bunch of other sins trying to cover that up and trying to make that right and trying to make sure that no one knew that those things happened. Uh, and so God sends Nathan, the prophet, to David to say, I know what you did. You can't hide these things from me. And so through Nathan, God gives David uh, a, a curse and a rebuke. And it's in 2 Samuel 12, 11 through 12. And he says, because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I'll give your wives to another man before your very eyes and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all of Israel. So God is saying, these, these bad things are gonna happen. I, I know that you have asked for forgiveness. You are forgiven. I have given this forgiveness, but there are still consequences 
for the sin. There's still consequences for the things that you have done. And so as we look from 2 Samuel 12 to 2 Samuel 13, we start to see those consequences unfold. And in between chapters 12 and chapter 13 is about 10 years. And so 10 years after David and Bathsheba, we are introduced to three of David's kids. There's Amnon, Absalom, and Tamar. Uh, Amnon and Absalom are half-brothers, and Tamar is their half-sister. And, and uh, there in 2 Samuel 13, uh, we are told about how Amnon loved his sister and about how he uh, committed just a, a detestable, horrible sin with his sister. And that made Absalom furious. So Absalom was furious with his brother Amnon for doing these things. And David was furious. We're told in the Bible that David was mad and that he was angry, but that he did nothing. And that made Absalom even more outrageous, uh, even more furious, even more uh, upset with his brother, with his dad, and with everything that was going on. Uh, And so already we begin to see some of these consequences unfolding. And it seems like a modern-day soap opera uh, is unfolding there in the, the words of the Bible uh, with brothers and sisters and dads and nobody's getting along and everything's just going just outrageously terrible. Uh, and so when we, when we look at these things, um, we, we are reminded of just the tolls of sin, the, the, the things that sin causes. Um, and so from there, Absalom bides his time and he waits about two years and then he finds his time to get revenge on his brother Amnon and he orchestrates the murder of his brother Amnon. And so again, we see the soap opera getting even worse. We see the events getting even worse. Uh, And as I read this scripture and as I read back and, and did all the research for this, I just kept thinking that this was outrageous. This is all terrible. If if this happened today, this would be all over front page news everywhere. This would be on everybody's minds of everything that's happening, that these terrible things are going on with the the king's son or the president's son, uh, and and it would be a big deal. Uh, And so there's a a negative connotation to that word. Uh, And so in your uh, listening guide, I put another definition of the word outrageous, uh, which is beyond reasonable limit. Uh, And so as we unfold the story of Absalom and David, uh, we also are going to see a different version of that word. We're going to see the the version of the word that's in your listening guide there, that that things are beyond reasonable limit, not just a a negative, terrible thing. Um, And so Absalom, after he kills his brother Amnon, he runs away and he hides out for three years. And during that three years, he's plotting to take over the throne, uh, take plotting to take over from David and to become the king himself. And so he spends three years doing that. And then after three years, he wriggles his way back to David and gets forgiveness. David seemingly forgives Absalom for the murder, for, uh, for doing these things and then for fleeing away. Because we're again, we're told that David does nothing. But he kisses his son, and that that represents and symbolizes that he was forgiven. And so seemingly, they're moving on from this and moving on from these terrible events. Uh, And so again, we have our our champion, our hero, David, who may not have been the best dad. There's a lot of sermons that we could throw in with uh, the story of David and Absalom about kids obeying your parents, uh, about parents, you need to discipline your kids, you need to 
keep them in line with the things that they're doing. Um, and, and there's so many different ways that we could do that. And we could see it here with David and his reactions with his kids. And so even in that reaction, even in his forgiveness, Absalom was forcing David to make a reaction and to have a reaction. Uh, and, and so Absalom just keeps getting more and more furious with David. And so after he's forgiven, his heart is still in a bad place. He still doesn't like David. He still doesn't love his dad. He still doesn't follow him and acknowledge him as king. And so he spends another four years plotting and biding his time to become the king. And so if anything, we learned that Absalom is a very patient man and he does what he wants. He's gonna get what he wants because he's gonna do it and he's gonna wait his time for the time to come. And so after four years, we learn that Absalom has gathered regalia. He's gathered people. He's got people that are coming to follow him because he spent time whispering into people's ears, telling them that David is a terrible king. He cannot do the things that he's supposed to be doing. He's not the king that you guys need, but I can be that king. I can be in charge. I can do all the things that David can't do. And so he starts whispering in people's ears and gaining popularity and gaining uh, people that are gonna be following him. And it's at this point uh, in 2 Samuel 14, 25 to 26, that the Bible tells us about Absalom's appearance. And if we think back about when Saul, the first king of Israel, was crowned king, uh, the Bible tells us about what he looked like, that he was tall. He was one of the tallest men in all of Israel. He was good looking. He looked like a king. He looked like someone that you'd want to be in charge. And then later on, when David becomes anointed, the Bible tells us again about the way he looks. It says that he's a, a young boy with ruddy appearance who has beautiful eyes. And then here, it tells us that Absalom is the best looking guy in all of the country, in all of Israel. He's the best looking guy. And he's got hair that weighs five pounds. So he cuts his hair off and it weighs five pounds. That's incredible. That's outrageous. Kids, can you imagine if you had five pounds of hair just resting on your head all the time? You'd be kind of walking around like this all the time. But that's how it was. Absalom was known for the way that he looked. And, and if you're remembering about when David was chosen king, it might trigger something in your mind that, that God does not look at the outside. God looks at our hearts. And so when we look at Absalom, we're reminded of his outward appearance, the way that he looked. But we know from reading it that his heart was not in a good place, that it wasn't the way that it should have been and the way that it was supposed to be. So take that, tuck it back. We're gonna talk about Absalom's hair here in just a little bit again. And then chapters 14 and 17. In those three chapters, we're told about how Absalom continues to gain traction and continues to undermine David and start this coup and about how he mounts a siege to the city or he's getting ready to and David flees Jerusalem. David flees and he seeks the Lord and he seeks his help and David gets his people and we're getting ready for a battle. In those three chapters before 18 where we pick up, they're getting ready to fight. David's men versus the men of Israel. Uh, David versus Absalom. And it's coming 
to a point, to a head. Um, and there, in 2 Samuel 18, 5, it's the first verse that we read, um, we are reminded of David's heart. We are reminded of the way that he loved his kids. He may not have been the best at it. He may not have been uh, perfect at it. But we're reminded that he loves his kids. There in verse five of chapter 18, it says, and the king gave this command to Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. For my sake, deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So we have all these outrageous events, everything that's building up to this point in chapter 18. And before David goes out, he's gonna join the, the, his men in battle and they tell him to stay behind. They tell him that he's, he's too valuable, he can't die, he can't be captured because Absalom is gonna kill him if they find him. So even after all of that, we are reminded of the outrageous love that David had for his kids, that David had for his son. He forgives his son Absalom and there in front of all of his generals, in front of his whole army, he gives a very public proclamation of grace and love towards Absalom. And I'm, I'm sure, I know that people that were in the crowd that day listening to David talk heard David's words and thought, this guy is crazy. Absalom was trying to kill him. Absalom was trying to take over and become the king. Absalom murdered his brother and did all these terrible things and has spent years working towards this. And David's just gonna forgive him. David's just gonna forgive him and move on. And I'm, I'm sure there would have been consequences, but David was telling everybody, do not give Absalom what he deserves. Absalom deserves a lot, but don't give it to him. Deal gently with him. So during all of these outrageous events, a father shows his outrageous love. It's incredible. So how many of us can say that we have that outrageous love? I know that as a dad, there have been times when my kids have done stuff and it, it's infuriating or it's maddening sometimes, but it never trumps the love that I have for my kids. I know growing up and, and going to college and being in high school and being a young man, there have been times where I have done stuff and looked back and went, oh, I don't know if my mom and dad are gonna be proud of me or love me or, or, or treat me the way that they should anymore because I don't deserve it. I, I know a lot of us have those stories. I know a lot of us have those feelings with our kids or our parents. And sometimes we get reminded of those out, outrageous things and that love that our parents has for us. Um, and, and, and it's an awesome thing when you can look at that and know that we have love for our kids. We have love for our family, the way that God, the, the, the way that we should. But it's only a shadow of the love that God has for us. Um, so the battle happens. We, we skipped over some of that in our verses, but it's a, if you have not read this part of 2 Samuel 18, I encourage you to go back and read it because it's awesome. Uh, it talks about how the forest devours more people that day than David's men did because God was fighting for the Israelites or he was fighting for David and fighting for the man that he chose to be king. There's another sermon in there. Uh, it's, it's incredible, awesome 
stuff that was happening and God was making sure that his man was gonna be king. But in 2 Samuel 18, 33, uh, this is after Absalom has been killed. Uh, And so they send messengers to go tell David, hey, the battle has been won. You're still the king. The coup is over. And also we're gonna tell them about Absalom, but we'll, we'll soften that with you're gonna be king still. And so they tell him all these things And here's his response in verse 33. It says, the king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and he burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So even after all of these things happen, David loves his son. David loved Absalom. No matter what Absalom had done, David was willing to forgive it and and move on and go. And it's here that we are reminded of David's heart. Uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14, this is from when Saul was the king. Uh, And Saul had started to fall away from the Lord. Uh, And he told Saul, you're not gonna be king anymore because I have chosen someone that is gonna be king for me, that has a man, it's a man after my own heart who's gonna do the things that I want him to do. So before David was anointed, before he was the king, God is telling us that he was choosing a man that, that had a heart like his, that loved people like him, that was gonna follow God and do the things that he was supposed to do. In Acts 13, 22, we're told the same thing and it says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So David had a heart like God, but he didn't have God's heart. He had a heart that failed. He had a heart that loved people sometimes, but also made mistakes. He didn't have God's heart. The love that he had for his son was outrageous but it's nothing compared to God's love for us, for his kids. David gave that very public proclamation to everybody and everybody heard it saying, don't give Absalom what he deserves. He deserves a lot, but he doesn't deserve to die. Don't give him what he deserves. I'm sure that that seemed absurd and and outrageous to everybody that heard it. And then we fast forward to John 1, verses 14, 16 to 17. It says, so the word became human and it made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Jesus was God's public proclamation of love. Jesus was God's public proclamation of grace. Where God said, you deserve death. Sin is the reason that we deserve death. But because of Jesus, we are forgiven. God has an outrageous love for us. God has an outstanding, amazing, incredible love for us. And he proclaimed that through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Romans 5, 8 says that, but God showed his great love for us in this by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So while we were still sinners, while we were an enemy of God, while we acted like Absalom, while we tried to dethrone the true king, Jesus died for us. God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to do nothing wrong, and to take that punishment for us. And it's an incredible thing. So we have David's love for his son, which seemed outrageous to people. And then we have God's love for his children that is even more outrageous, that is even more all-encompassing. If we are children of God, if we believe in him, if we love him, we are forgiven. And we don't get what we deserve because Jesus already took that punishment for us. Because Jesus is that public proclamation of grace and love for us. And so some of us today are at a point in our lives where we are acting as an enemy of God, where we are acting as Absalom, where we are rebelling and and trying to run and trying to dethrone and, and to remain on the throne of our hearts and be in charge of ourselves. But that's not what God wants for us. That's not the, the, the life that God wants us to live. He wants to be the king of our hearts. He wants to be in charge of us. He wants to rule our hearts and for us to give our love to him and our affection to him. And so here in a little bit, the band is gonna come play. And while they're playing, this is our time of response where we can respond to what we've heard today. If you are someone that is living in rebellion, maybe this is the day. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Maybe this is the day that you turn your heart to love God and stop running and stop fighting him. If you are a Christ follower, if you are a child of God already, Maybe there's ways that you have not been following him the way that you're supposed to. Uh, maybe you have relationships that you need to ask for forgiveness on and work through with other people and, and gain forgiveness in those. And, and so maybe you need to pray with somebody. And so while the band's playing, we're gonna have people in the back uh, that are gonna be praying with us and for us. And so if, if you need to talk to somebody, uh, we've got Tim Puckett back there. Uh, he's gonna be praying, uh, Tim and Diana Uh, And then I'm gonna be up front here and I'd love to to pray with you and love to meet you guys. And so let's pray and we'll invite the band up. Lord, you are are good, you are mighty and you give us so much more than we deserve. Uh, We do not deserve your love. We do not deserve um, the compassion and the grace and the forgiveness that you give but you give it to us anyway and you give it freely. I pray that you would um, help us right now to to remember those things and to think through those things. Uh, Lord, I pray for anybody here that that does not know you, that they would would listen, uh, that you would speak to them now and that you would open our hearts and our, our minds to hear from you right now. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. 
We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church. And we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support. We need your prayers and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today.